Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, hey, good morning. My name is Blake, and it's always a privilege to be with you as we look at God's Word together. Um, Have you ever felt a little bit um, unsure of yourself? You ever struggle with that? You know, maybe you wrestled with doubt. Maybe it was a choice that you made. Maybe it was uh, some, some hang-up in the past that's kind of messed you up thinking about the future. Maybe you've wrestled with doubt in your life when it comes to like, hey, what are you going to wear today? And you're questioning your outfit. You know, like we've, we've all wrestled a time or two when it comes to doubt, especially when it relates to our faith. I don't know about you, sometimes God can take us in some unique directions in life. Uh, They say when it comes to doubt, a doubt is like that annoying relative that no matter what always shows up. You'll uninvite them, you'll duck them, you'll dodge them, and no matter what, they show up. They're always there. How did the Aunt Martha get to the family dinner? Who knows who invited her? She's there. That's what can happen when it comes to to doubt. So if you've been seasoned in your faith for some time, maybe you've wrestled with doubt. Maybe you're in here and this is the first time you've, you've darkened the door of a church. Well, guess what? Doubt comes with the territory in our faith journey. So I titled this message, Join the Club. We're going to be looking at some individuals that wrestled with doubt who actually, really, if you look at it, should have never wrestled with doubt, but they did. So join me, Matthew chapter 28, we'll be picking up what is looking, what we call the, the, the highlight, the Super Bowl, and what we celebrate at the front part of this month, this Easter Sunday, we're actually looking a little bit at the, the resurrection portion of the story when it comes to Jesus' life. So join me, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and Mary went to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his, his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear, and when they saw him, they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here, he is risen from the dead. Just as he said what, just as he said what would happen, come see where his body was lying. So they witness this miracle. What we say that Jesus conquered death, conquered disease, he conquered sin, and he rose from the grave. The epicenter, the highlight, the great, great feature of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And people witnessed it. So between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension is about 40 days. Jesus rose, we call this Easter, and that begins day one of 40 days. Scholars believe that there is about approximately 13 different instances where Jesus appeared to people before he ascended to heaven. 
So we see where Jesus appeared to the ladies, Mary and Martha. We see where Jesus appeared to these disciples on the road to Emmaus. We see where Jesus appeared to the 500 disciples. He appeared to his half-brother James. We see different instances when Jesus appeared. So these people have these eyewitness accounts, these moments after Jesus was risen from the grave. Phenomenal. And then we fast forward a little further through those 40 days. I'm going to bring you to... Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, okay, they saw him, they worshiped him, so they're engaging right now. But some of them, everybody say it as loud as you can, doubted crazy. They worshiped him. They saw him. He defeated the grave, and yet some people doubted. His disciples doubted. Have you ever um, just felt better when someone else wrestles with the same problem you have? I have. Knowing that these disciples, they experienced Jesus in a radical way, struggled with doubt, because there's been moments in my life I've struggled with doubt. I mean, I, I remember speaking this one time, I was preaching at a church, and I shared about an instance that happened in my life, and uh, we, we got robbed, my, my wife and I we were living in Las Vegas, and our house got broken into, and, and I get off, and I, I get off the stage, and I go to the lobby after the message, and, and I'm just shaking hands, greeting people, and this lady comes up to me, and she's like, Pastor Blake, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, maybe she's going to give me a compliment, say something nice, introduce herself, and she just comes up to me and goes, man, it's great to know that you've had some issues too. I'm Blake. Nice meeting you. Thank you for being you. You know, because sometimes people look at a pastor and say, hey, they're, they're living that perfect life. But the truth of the matter is when it comes to an area like doubt, we've all wrestled with it. Maybe it's not the idea that God exists, but maybe it's the journey that God's taking you on. You know, there's been moments in my life, have, I don't know if you've ever been there, where you felt like God is so real. I've showed up to church, I've been in conferences, I've been in experiences where I'm like, man, God is here. If you would doubt his existence to me, I would say to you, your mother does not exist. But then there's been other moments when you come to church and you look out in the crowd and, and people are worshiping, people are praising, hands and they're singing and and you see some of the staff up here, and you see Pastor Steph, and he's on the keys, and he's, and he's bobbing his head, and he's smiling, and, and, and I'm like, dude, like, God, are you here? Are you on vacation? Like, you're not present in my life. Where were you? I'm searching for you. I'm, I'm seeking you. And there's moments where it feels like God's so there, and then there's moments where it seems like, God, I'm calling you, I'm texting you, and I'm not hearing anything back. Have you ever been there? doubt in life. You know, it's interesting when it comes to doubt is doubt is one of those things that kind of shakes our foundation where once we start doubting, we're like, oh man, maybe I'm not a good enough Christian. Maybe I'm not a good enough follower of Jesus. Oh, there's something wrong with me. I have intrinsic sin in my life. So I must not be as good as the person on my right or the person on my left because I'm going through a moment in a season of doubt. But I just want to clarify with you, if you haven't picked up what we're talking about, is that doubt is par for the course when it comes 
to our faith. So before we dive into how to deal with our doubt or when we doubt, I want to talk to you about three primary reasons of why we do doubt. The first one is this, questions cannot be answered. Have you ever had some life questions that you just cannot get the answer to? And you're just like, God, what's up? I seek prayer. I ask for guidance. I don't know why I'm not getting clarity in this area. Or maybe you've experienced a bad situation in life. And it's like, wow, that situation happened in your life. I, I, I feel for some individuals because right out the gate, right as soon as you entered this world, you've been set at a disadvantage. And you're like, you want me to call on a God that seems so far off, so distant, and be, God, do you see the situation that I'm in? Bad situation. Hurting pain. Struggles. There's, there's so many different situations that, that test our doubt. We also doubt because maybe it comes to the certain things that hurt and pains just cannot be resolved. We're coming up in the month of May, we're talking about mental health awareness. May, if you didn't know, is mental health awareness. And I want to encourage you, come back because we're going to talk about a very real prevalent topic. But sometimes our pains and, and, and thoughts and, and what's in our head can't be resolved and we're struggling and we're hurting and, and we're, we're in this place where it's like, God, no matter what I do, it is just there. And so we're like, God, like if you really say the God of the Bible where I hear like you're worthy, you're able, you're, you're able to do all these amazing things and here I am and my hands are open to you yet my pain is still there. My mental anguish is still there. My frustration is still there. All kind of can be summed up and push us to doubting who God is. So today, for the remainder of our time, I want to talk to you about when the doubt comes, how to respond. So when the doubt comes, I want you to remember this. One, faith is not a, faith is a journey, not a destination. Faith is a journey, not a destination. Your doubts navigated correctly can be a catalyst for your strong faith. I want to repeat that again. Your doubts navigated correctly can be a catalyst for stronger faith. Good news for us is simply this. There's no such thing as perfect faith. There's no such thing as one day you'll wake up and you'll arrive and your faith will be on point and that everything has aligned in the sky and that you are dialed in and it's great. You know, it's a journey. We look at Mark chapter 9 verse 23. Let me just frame it before we throw it up on your screens or taking notes. Jesus is having this encounter. He just came down from the Mount Transfiguration with his close disciples and, and as he's He's there, this, this man brings over his son who is, who's mute, who seizes and convulses and gets thrown into the fires and, 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 try, and, and drowns because the son is demon-possessed. So the man brings this, his boy to the disciples and the disciples can't ca cast out the demon. They're, they're struggling, they don't know what to do. And so this man, finally Jesus approaches and they have this encounter. 
And so it's kind of funny because this man asked, hey, Jesus, if you can, let's see it up. Mark chapter 9, verse 23, says this. And Jesus said to him, if you can't, and in other words, this man asked Jesus, if you think you can cast out this demon, Jesus, have at it. And Jesus, if you read different translations, almost scoffs at him and is like, if I can. And so all things are possible for the one who believes. And then we see as the story continues, immediately the father, cried, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. And here we go. I believe. He believes in Jesus. He sees Jesus. He sees the disciples. He hears the good news. But then he goes, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And in other words, there might be moments in life where everything is great and golden and you're like, God, I know you exist. But then something happens in life and maybe it's, maybe it's kind of wrestling with your pocketbook or the financial stability and, and you're thinking, God, should, should I really do that? God, should I really live a generous lifestyle? God, do I, or do I need to kind of retract in the way that I'm, I'm using what you have blessed me with to to bless others with. And, and God start, starts, to, starts to make different moves and, and our, our faith in different areas gets, gets kind of in limbo. I remember when my wife and I moved across the country from California to Florida. This was before COVID. I remember having one-on-one -on -one prayer moments, conversation with God, like, God, I know you exist. I believe in you. I know things have happened in my life. I know there is no doubt you exist. But Florida? Southwest Florida? I'm not ready to retire yet. Like, that's what I knew. So I believed in God, but yet the doubt in aspects of life was there. See, it's important for us to understand this, that there's never this perfect faith. Like, you have it all dialed in. Some of us have learned really well how to navigate our faith, really well how to trust God in moments of maybe his absence or through doubt. But it's never this perfect time of, hey, I've arrived, I got it all together. When it comes to doubt, some of the safest places, another thing when it comes to doubt, the safest places to explore doubt should be church and home should be church and home. You know, people don't leave, kids don't leave church because God isn't good. People leave church because questions can't be asked. You know, we live in day and age now where there's deconstructionism, there's this idea of like it's self, it's personal, and as a church, we have to open up our arms and say, you come with as many questions as you may have. We will do our best to answer them. Some of those questions you ask, you're not going to like the answer to. Some of those questions you ask, you know, we're still won't know on this side of eternity. But the important thing is to cultivate a place where someone can ask questions. James, Jesus' brother, Jesus' half-brother, says this in James 1, chapter 5. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He will what? Not rebuke you for asking. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's like, can I ask this question? Is this going to be a stupid question? You know, and like, there, you know, in school, you're like, there's no such thing as a stupid question, you know, and like, then you become a teacher or you encounter kids and you're like, no, there is such thing as a stupid question. 
even if you ask a stupid question, we won't rebuke you here. We love you here. I think James even understood that. Can you imagine James, Jesus' brother, hanging out with him and being like, yo, Jesus, you really who you say you are, man? Like, I don't know about this guy. Like, come on now. Like, you know, he's asking questions, hanging out with him. If a man who understood that God's open to questions is a man by the name of James, sets the table for us. So it's about asking questions. Parents, if you're raising your kids in the church, what I strongly encourage you to do, cultivate an atmosphere in your home where your children can come and ask you any question. There is a lot that is coming children's way, this next generation's way when it comes to thinking, when it comes to how they should view relationships, when it comes to belief system, when it comes to God. See, and and I want us to understand this, that when a child asks a question about your faith, it's not because they're, they're rejecting your faith. It's not because they don't like your faith. It's not because they're opposing your faith. They're asking questions about your faith so that they can understand it to make it their faith. See, we, we, we have to come to this point that, you, you know, parents, you can love Jesus all you want, but really God's given you your children so you can steward them and point them in the direction of loving Jesus. But loving Jesus is a one-on-one thing. It's not a triune thing where it's you, your kid, and Jesus. Your prayer, your hope is say, what can I do to administer, to give my kid 100% a relationship between God and them? It's personal one-on-one. So we have to cultivate and understand that questions, hard questions are going to be asked and we say, bring it. We're not going to rebuke you. Let's ask those questions. Also, when it comes to doubt, we have to understand there's a difference between our faith and belief. Faith is a gift. Most of us in this place have been blessed generously with the gift of faith. Ephesians, the Apostle Paul puts it this way in chapter 2, verse 8. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So faith is a gift. God gives us this gift. There's nothing you and I can do to earn this gift, but the faith that we have, we should just cherish. We should hold on to. We should be grateful for. And we should celebrate that, hey, God, our Father's given us a pretty awesome gift. Now, faith is different than belief. Even though we see sometimes in Scripture they're synonymous terms, belief is simply this, acknowledging the obvious. Like, acknowledging the obvious is saying, hey, you know, the grass is green outside, or maybe brown if you're not watering it right now, right? So the grass is green outside. Everybody can understand that. Everybody sees that. Everybody can know that. James speaks in it to, and says this. It's, it's, let's talk about it. He says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. And he's kind of, kind of almost in a sarcastic tone, right? He says, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. The first people to understand who Jesus really was, who believed that Jesus was the Son of God, were demons. So they believed, but they didn't have faith. See, it's impossible to have belief in God, but not know God. It's possible to be, believe in God, but not be made right with God. 
Faith comes through understanding who Jesus is, that he died on the cross for us, that he rose three days later, and that he's given us a new eternity that when we believe in him, confess our sins, we are now saved. That's faith. So I want to talk to you right now. Maybe you're in this place and you haven't committed that to, you haven't made that commitment. At the end of service, we'll give you steps here. We have people that want to pray with you, people that want to, to, to journey with you as you explore your doubt, but as you accept and receive the gift of faith. Also, we see when it comes to doubt that strong faith doesn't doubt. Strong faith grows through the doubt. Now, I want to pause here and return our attention to this man by the name of Thomas. Thomas has been labeled Thomas the Doubter. And uh, I want to talk to you about Thomas because I want to have Thomas's back. Thomas is my guy. Thomas is a realist. He's been through some stuff. He's made some mistake. But Thomas, a lot of times, he just wanted more detail. So in John 20, verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. Let me pause there. It's this present tense that Jesus has kept his promise. We've seen him. He's there. He's tangible. Everything Jesus declared, he's held on to. And Thomas is over here like, okay, eh, I don't know. Anybody know some of those individuals that need all the details in life? Man, they drive you nuts sometimes. It's like, dude, you want to come over and hang out? What are we going to do? Dude, we're going to do this. Okay, well, what's going to be there for food? Oh, man, dude, just come over. Well, can I? I don't know. What are we going to watch on TV? You know, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Why did I even call you in the first place? Like you've been there with some of those individuals? I mean, I'm looking at some of them in the room where I'm like, dude, I'm not texting you ever again. I'm kidding. Kind of. John 20, verse 25, when it talks about this, this is, this is what Thomas says. He, he goes this, and they told him, we have seen the Lord, but he, that he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Thomas needs details. Thomas needs proof. But here's the thing with Thomas, and this is why I love Thomas. This happens the day of the resurrection. Scholars believe this, this moment that they just read about. But Thomas comes back eight days later, and Jesus shows up in his life. Thomas, man with great doubt, kept pursuing God, kept pursuing Jesus, kept hanging out with the right crowd, not the wrong crowd. Doubt high, but still grew through that. And we also see when it comes to doubt, we understand this, questions don't make us bad, it shows we're humans. Questions don't make us bad, it shows we're humans. Thomas asked questions, but it made him a human. This is why I have Thomas's back. In John 11, verse 14, we see Jesus have this moment where he's going to raise this man by the, Laz by the name of Lazarus from the grave. So we see, and, and all the disciples are like, hey, we don't want to go back to Judea. Jesus, you're going to die. Jesus got ran out. We see this in John chapter 8 where it was this, this moment where Jesus was going to be stoned in this region. 
and Jesus was going to be stoned. And, and so the disciples are like, dude, we're not going back. Lazarus is already dead. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a miracle. Mine's going to be blown. Here we go. You better buckle up. Let's go. It's going to be awesome. So this is John 11, verse 14. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Let nothing to it. Lazarus died. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go and see. Now we have this man by the name of Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too, and let's go die with Jesus. Man with great doubt. And yet this individual was allowed, and this individual stayed and pursued and was saying, I'll go give my life up for him. We see later on in, in some of this correlation, this, this dialogue between Thomas and, and Jesus that, that Jesus was, hey, this is where I'm going to go. Thomas asked the question. See, Thomas was always willing to ask a question. When the disciples were like, hey, we don't want to go, Thomas was like, hey, I can ask a question. It makes me a human. I'm going to show up and go with you, Jesus. Where are we going? What are we doing? Okay, Jesus, that's where we're going. Let's go. Let's die together. See, Thomas gets his bad rap, but in reality, he's one of the top-tier disciples in my book, in many scholars' books, hopefully in your book. So if you have doubt, it's okay. And then we also see this. When it comes to our doubt, Jesus responds to our doubt. Jesus responds to our doubt. So in John chapter 20, verse 27, eight days later, after there's experiences and after Jesus is seen, we see this what happened. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And in other words, don't ignore the gift. Believe. Thomas. Believe, receive the gift. And he goes, my Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed. Thomas went from doubting to shouting. Thomas went from saying, God, I don't know, to saying, God, you met me in my doubts. You met me where I didn't know what was going to happen. Maybe you're in this place right now and, and you have a lot of doubting going on. Maybe you're waiting for that breakthrough where you can, God can take that doubting and turn it into shouting. Maybe it's some brokenness in life. Maybe it's some past hurt. Maybe it's with relationships. I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, it's okay to doubt, but you need to pursue Jesus and let Jesus meet you in your doubt so you can become a doubter to a shouter. Church, receive that, understand that, that it's not necessarily about, hey, God, I I'm going to give up when you're not answering, but it's like, hey, God, I'm going to keep pursuing you, even though it seems like it's dormant in times. Thomas kept coming back. And what I love most about this story is this, you know, the greatest doubters often can become the strongest believers. Thomas, top-tier disciple, this individual Tradition, tradition, Christian tradition has it that he takes the gospel into India and portions of Asia, sharing the gospel. He gives up his life, becoming a martyr. A chieftain kills him and pales him on a spear. But you know, you look at some of the greats throughout the Bible, Thomas isn't just one of them. You know, this lady by the name of Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, 
a whole nation's birthed from these individuals. Angel shows up in, in Sarah's life and says, hey, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, yeah, she's laughing in her unbelief. Like, get out of here, dude. No way. This man by the name of Moses. I don't know if you ever heard of Moses. He, he led the uh, Israelites out of captivity, out of slavery. And he was doubting in moments. He was saying, like, I don't, I don't talk correctly. I can't speak, really. He has a stammer. He doubted his abilities. But he goes from doubting to shouting, being an individual who was one of the greatest doubters to being one of the greatest followers. We see Job, who loses it all, has all reason essentially to doubt God and his love and his provision and his mercy and his grace. And then he gets it again and God moves. So if you're in here and you're plied with this idea of doubt in your life, maybe it's circumstantial doubt, maybe it's some unique moments that you're going through. Maybe it's financial doubt. You know God exists, but like, God, are you going to see my finances? God, are you going to restore my relationships? God, are you going to help me with some of these things? My encouragement to you is keep leaning into Jesus because just because you're a doubter doesn't mean you can't become a shouter. Just doesn't mean you can be someone who has doubt and can't be one of the greatest individuals in all of the history because of your great faith where God turns your doubt into something more inspiring to all those around church, we all have doubt. It's how we handle our doubt that counts. Remember this, faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith pushes through the doubt. So come to Jesus if you have doubts. Come to Jesus if you're struggling. Come to Jesus when you're uncertain. Come to Jesus with questions. Come to Jesus with addiction. Come to Jesus with your sex baggage. Come to Jesus with church her. Come to Jesus, church. When the doubt is present, come to Jesus. So this morning, as we wrap up, I'm going to pray specifically for those who are wrestling in the area of doubt, whatever area that might be in your life. And I also want to pray for those who are making a decision to follow Jesus, saying that you want to be someone, maybe wrestle with doubt, but you want to have a Thomas experience and be someone that moved from a doubter to a shouter. So I'm going to ask each and every one of us, he'll go ahead and stand. As our prayer team comes forward, we have a couple next steps for you. First, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, we want to pray with you and we want to journey with you. We want to help you. So as we enter to this last song, and you're saying, hey, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and leader of my life, then I want to encourage you, step out, seek prayer. We live and believe in being bold here at Faith. That's not just about showing up and going through the motions, but it's actually about taking the next step. That's why we say, come forward, receive prayer. It's not about just signing a card and we won't talk to you for a week. No, it's about, hey, we want to pray with you. We want to venture with you. So if you want to decide and follow Jesus right now, have your questions answered about doubt, explore that, whatever that might be, we want and have a team here willing to stand with you. And maybe you're in here right now and you have some doubt going on. You know you have a relationship. I just want to pray over that right now because it comes in different seasons and different waves. Hang in there. Our God is good and he is able. Let's pray, then we'll sing. Lord, we give you this moment right now. We worship you, we praise you. Minister through the hearts in this place. Help those who are far from you come and meet you in a real way, in a vibrant way right now. 
Give them a boldness to step out for prayer. Lord, we ask that you remove our doubt, that you give us clear answers, that you give us directive. But no matter what we're faced with and the, devout, and the doubt that lingers, may we just trust you always and meet you and have you respond to our doubt. Be with us. Lead us today. In your great and holy name, we all say amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.